with TechStrong and I'm excited to be speaking to Sumit Chauhan. He is the Cerebrum X co-founder and COO. How are you doing today? Very good, Amanda. Thank you for having me here and excited to speak to you as well. Great. So we're going to be discussing the role AI and data play with usage-based insurance programs. But before we get started, I wanted to see if you could share a little bit about Cerebrum X and the services that you provide. Absolutely. So Cerebrum X uh, uh, came about in the mid of 2020, uh, almost uh, I would say in the midst of the pandemic or just before that. Uh, and the idea behind it is uh, myself included, the co-founders uh, come from a very rich background uh, on the embedded side. We were all working for Harman, which is one of the tier ones, servicing the, um, the embedded needs for uh, the OEMs. What we realized though is while we, while we were helping the OEMs to cater to their data needs, inside the car, uh, a big part of the problem was, well, what do you do with the data once it's collected and it's available on the cloud side? Uh, we felt that there was uh, a grave need for someone to come in and be able to bridge the gap that exists between what the OEMs were providing and what the market actually needed in terms of connected vehicle data. And that's really the genesis uh, of where uh, Cerebromex came about. So what we essentially do is um, we uh, have a homegrown platform, uh, which is an industry first in terms of its data management capabilities for connected vehicle data. Uh, it has the capability uh, to process in real time the connected vehicle data that is collected by the OEMs in the cloud. We take that data into our cloud, which is the Cerebromex cloud, and then through specialized APIs, which are very vertically integrated, uh, we service industries like insurance, fleet, smart mobility, uh, EV uh, segment, smart uh, cities, uh, media, retail, so on and so forth. So that in a sense is what we do at Cerebromax. Okay, great. Well, that's certainly a good segue into the role that AI and data play with usage-based insurance programs. So can we talk about the trend of rising car insurance rates and what role do you see AI and other emerging technologies playing to better manage insurance policy pricing? Sure, sure. Well, that's a, that's a very pertinent question, not just from a commercial point of view for Cerebrum X, but also as an end consumer, which we all are, because we all drive uh, vehicles. And you're absolutely right. I think the concern is the rising insurance rates uh, that have come about. Now, you know, I'll first touch upon the various reasons for why the insurance rates uh, have been going up. I think the at the core of it is the core value of the vehicles themselves which are going up, which has predominantly in the last two, three years have been due to two reasons. One of which is obviously the supply chain uh, management issues that have existed uh, for um, you know, the vehicle platforms uh, on the chipset sides and in general, 
from a transportation point of view, uh, largely due to the pandemic and the pent-up demand that was there post-pandemic. That is a big reason for the hike in prices. And obviously, that amounts to a hike in the liabilities that the insurance companies have to carry for those vehicles. The second reason is the technology that's going inside the car, apart from the obvious cost of hardware, uh, if you look at uh, the software capabilities that go inside the car, actually not just enhance the value of the vehicle itself, but it kind of induces new parameters based on which liability can be judged. One great example of that is, as you know, we have self-parking available now in many of the uh, top-end vehicles and also a lot of mid-end vehicles as well. Uh, now, if a car which is self-parking uh, bangs into another car uh, which is parked, uh, who is actually responsible? Um, general thesis there is the OEM who's providing the software uh, for um, you know the, the self-parking algorithm is responsible, but then there are you know uh, a lot of uh, litigation that's ongoing on these uh, on these issues. The larger point I'm trying to make with this example is because of the increased capabilities of ADAS and software and AI in general that you alluded to, uh, it is increasing the liabilities that are being carried by the insurance companies who are insuring these vehicles. And the third thing I would say is our general environment in terms of uh, more vehicles on the road, uh, more uh, uh, the average age of people who are driving these vehicles going down, uh, which inherently suggests uh, through historical data uh, that the induced risk of uh, much younger people, particularly teenagers driving, induces a higher liability. And that those are the reasons for the insurance rates going up. Now, in terms of the second part of your question as to how do we deal with it, I think the answer, uh, as has happened, uh, you know, right through the industrial revolution and beyond with the software revolution, I think we are seeing the revolution now come into its own on the AI side. Uh, as I mentioned to you, Cerebrum X included, where our platform is completely based on AIMO uh, genesis, uh, most of the companies today uh, that are in the connected vehicle space uh, rely on a lot of uh, AI and ML capabilities to train their algorithms in terms of defining what is the actual risk, uh, both to the driver, to the vehicle, and in, uh, in turn, uh, the liabilities that are carried by the insurance companies. Now, how this is generally done is by various means. One is to clearly, categorically say, how much are you actually driving? Because earlier, uh, you were probably just asked a question as to how many miles do you actually drive uh, your car uh, every day from maybe work uh, and otherwise. Those are the questions that were asked when you took an insurance policy on your car. Uh, but nowadays, it's actually measured in real time. How much are you actually driving? Uh, because the, the, those behaviors are vastly different uh, from family to family and even from day to day on a, on a weekly basis, particularly through the pandemic and beyond that because of uh, things like work from home, so on and so forth. So uh, that's one of the things. The second thing is the car itself can now be monitored in real time in terms of what's going on with the vehicle itself. Uh, 
in terms of the battery levels, in terms of the tire pressure, in terms of how many people are actually sitting inside the car. All those things, uh, when taken together and run through an AIML platform and algorithm, can throw up uh, either uh, parameters which will reduce the liability uh, that is being carried by the insurance companies or increase it based on what, what it is. And most importantly, driving behavior itself in terms of your actual driving and how you're cornering, uh, what is your acceleration and deacceleration profile, how many times did the lane departure warning come up, how many times did the forward collision warning come up. So as you can imagine, all these parameters were firstly not available, um, you know, not in the recent past, uh, and also they were definitely not available in uh, and what we at Cerebrum X and other um, our OEM partners are trying to do is to put that capability in the hands of uh, insurers, fleet companies, and smart mobility companies to be able to process this data and hopefully reduce the risks for uh, you know the end consumers who are driving these vehicles as long as they're committed to being safe drivers. Interesting. So do you know offhand how many insurance companies have this capability or are currently using it? Because the first thing I think about is, for example, Progressive. Uh, we used to have insurance with Progressive and they gave us these little uh, like kind of square chips that we kept in our vehicles that tracked how we were driving and that would lower or raise our insurance rate depending. Um, and then now we actually have Geico, which is an app on our phone. And it's kind of the same thing. It tracks our driving and in real time, it will tell me if I have been awarded for good driving or not, or what I've done wrong, um, which I think is very interesting. Um, so how many companies are out there utilizing this technology at this time? So, so the simple answer, by the way, that's a great question. And to answer your question very simply, I think every company that has any substantial footprint uh, in insurance, whether it is um, you know, at a state level or at a nationwide level, I think I would say about 75% of these companies would have the capability to give you a policy which is based on UBI, which is usage-based insurance. But that is not to say that all of the customers would opt for it because by regulation and also by choice, uh, it is mandatory for uh, all these insurance companies to give you the choice between going in for a regular insurance policy or a UBI-based insurance policy. Now, to 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 elaborate on that, and you, you alluded to that in your question itself, uh, how this happens at a unit economics level is uh, generally, on an average, for a for a non-UBI insurance policy, the average average insurance premium in the U.S. is about eleven hundred dollars or thereabouts. Uh, that's that's as per the data that's available in the U.S. Now, what happens is if you go for a UBI insurance policy. That is treated as a parameter to better analyze the liability that is being carried on the vehicle and by the driver and in turn by the insurance companies. 
which enables the insurance companies to write down the liabilities in their books by about 25%. So what I mean is, let's say out of those $1,100, if the insurance company was writing down about $800 uh, as a liability in their books, they can write it down by about 25% uh, in their books if, if you are signing up for a UBI policy. And out of that 25%, they are very happy to pass on 10 or 15% to the end consumer. So the end effect is everyone wins because uh, the insurance premium goes down by about 10 to 15% for the end consumer. And also the insurance company is able to mark down the liability in their books uh, by about at least 10 to 15% uh, apart from giving away uh, uh, some part of it to the end consumer. Uh, and of course that frees up uh, the cash flow you know, for the insurance companies. Now, this is this sounds almost too good to be true because, uh, uh, you know, obviously there is some catch somewhere. And the catch is that this is true for the first year, right? Because on the at the first year level, when you are choosing the UBI policy for the first time, and there is no data to go by. You're just starting on it. And they would believe when you say that I'm going for a UBI policy because I believe I'm a, I'm a good driver. But Come the second year and the third year, obviously for a for a for a driver uh, who would you would classify as quote unquote aggressive or uh, an unsafe driver, uh, for those people you will see that in time the insurance policy premiums will actually go up. Mm-hmm. But uh, as you know, you know the insurance companies are so competitive amongst themselves that they pass on a lot of benefits if you switch from one insurance company to the others. So you won't feel it maybe for the first two years, but if you are consistently, I would say, uh, uh, an unsafe driver, you will actually see the premiums going up if you're using a UBI policy. So that's that's really at the core of it. I wonder if this will ultimately result in kind of a real-time rewiring, kind of training people how to drive better and more safely as they see the results in real time of their insurance policies going up, then eventually over time, perhaps we'll have better drivers on the road. That's 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 absolutely true. In fact, that's one of the things that we are doing. And I'll, and I'll explain you uh, how we do it. So one of our insurance partners is the uh, second largest uh, connected vehicle, uh, uh, you know, automotive vehicle um, insurer in the U.S. And what we are doing with them is we are creating real-time training modules which are focused towards end drivers based on their actual behavior at a trip level. So let's say you took took a trip from uh, New York to Philadelphia. Uh, we will do a complete analysis in data for that driver uh, for that trip and send him or her uh, the complete analysis as a training module in uh, you know as at the end of that trip to tell them how can they get better uh, with their driving and of course in turn reduce their premiums and increase their driver score. Now the caveat there is generally this is mostly done. Uh, right now for fleet um, companies, because obviously the fleet companies are the ones who are 
um, you know, taking the insurance premiums and they want their drivers to drive safely. Uh, on the, I would say the retail customer side, uh, the take rate for these kind of training modules is still low. But I think as you rightly mentioned, as the premiums go up and as the incentivization goes up in terms of being a better driver, uh, the take rates for that will go up as well. But as I mentioned, as of now, uh, we are seeing that this is more uh, akin and prominent on the fleet side rather than the retail customer side. So in thinking about this, I have another question as well, and I wonder what your thoughts are on it. I was recently in Las Vegas and I hired um, an Uber to get back to the airport. And on the way, I saw about three self-driving rideshare vehicles on the road. And I didn't realize that this had become actually a, um, a common thing that was actually happening on the road now. So how does that affect the insurance programs and how do you think um, self-driving vehicles on the road are going to impact the future of transportation? Uh, excellent question. So firstly, how I would, uh, you know, this is my own view. There is no empirical data available as yet, uh, you know, to support what I would just say. But in my personal view, how we will see the change in at a macro level is that right now what you see are a lot of accidents and um, you know mishaps ha happening on the road, which are very frequent. They are more in number, but the intensity in general of those active accidents uh, are pretty low. So what I mean is, obviously, uh, any fatal accident is one too many, but I still feel they're you know they're they're much lesser right now. What we as we move into the ADAS environment, which is autonomous driving, and as more and more vehicles on the road move towards autonomous driving, in my personal view, we'll move into an environment where the number of accidents and mishaps will reduce, but the intensity and the graveness of those might actually increase. And I'll explain why. In general, uh, because if most of the cars or all of the cars on the road are autonomously driven, uh, I would presume that the software would be written in a way that it would, by, by default and as a rule, it would ensure that accidents don't happen. And hence, the propensity of the accidents happening will actually reduce. But God forbid, if something goes wrong in somewhere in one vehicle, I think that will cause a catastrophic and almost a domino effect, which will induce a very, um, I would say, grave situation on the road, uh, which will obviously, you know, we will keep improving as, as, as it happens always in software and in AI and so on and so forth. But in the initial years, I feel that the intensity of those mishaps and accidents would actually be very high. So that's point number one. Point number two from from an insurance point of view, which is what we are discussing here as a topic, it poses a very interesting question because uh, I alluded to it a little earlier as well, that you are actually not even driving. So the car is driving itself. How it's driving is based on a software or an algorithm that is being 
um, constantly upgraded just like on your cell phone by someone, whether it's a Tesla or whether it's a Ford or a GM, whoever it is. But somebody is, uh, you know, basically pumping in the algorithm and the software in the car that is controlling the behavior of the car and its actual driving. Now, if there is a if there is a mishap that occurs, and you know, even if it's a small mishap where you bang into another car, who is actually responsible for it? How much is the liability that is going to be carried by which party? I think um, it will actually simplify things because. The end user is not responsible because he or she is not even touching a steering wheel. So you cannot hold the end user responsible. But the fact of the matter is still the value of the car that you're sitting in uh, will differ, right? So if you're, if, you're, uh, if you're sitting in a self-driven Mercedes versus if you're sitting in a self-driven Ford Focus, obviously the insurance that is being carried is very different. So you, the, the end user will still have to deal with that. But in terms of the actual reasoning of the crashes and who is responsible, I think it will be made easy because the software, the cameras, and the lidars on the car will be able to exactly tell you what happened, who's at fault, which software went wrong, and you know how cars banged into each other. And the liabilities, at least from a liability assignment point of view, it would be much simpler. Again, this is a little bit into the future. We have not started dealing with these issues, but this is my own uh, analysis of how things will go and uh, how they'll evolve. Absolutely. That's really fascinating thinking about a future like that. And um, uh, yes, the fact that when you remove the, the chance of human error, Overall, there'd be a lot less accidents. But like you said, technology can sometimes fail. So when there was an accident, it, it'd be very um, newsworthy and catastrophic. Um, but, you know, if all the vehicles on the road are at some point in time self-driving, then that certainly changes the whole insurance program as it exists today. Very, very interesting things to think about. Mm -hmm. That's correct. That's absolutely right. And I think the insurance companies themselves and the ecosystem realizes it. And uh, I think they're gearing up for it in terms of how do they enhance and change their algorithms, their platforms to take care of those risks. And what does it mean at a unit economics level and the liabilities that they have to carry as a company? And what I feel is the OEMs and the insurance companies will have to come together to actually start defining the ground rules of how the value of a vehicle and the risks associated with it should be, uh, you know, should be assessed uh, rather than both of them trying to do it almost independently right now. I think they'll have to come together because eventually the OEMs are the ones who will probably be liable in case of crashes when we get into a self-driving environment. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to thank you for coming on our show today and sharing your insights. It's it's a very interesting time right now with AI and how quickly we see this technology advancing. And I look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Pleasure, Amanda. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you.